Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? The stuff we need to know about the day and I think the week as well. Yes. I'm Nadine oh. Blaney. I'm Juliette Sally. TGIF. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> when Carly's um, away. Yeah, it's been a big it's been a big week, hasn't it? It has. We needed that. It's been a huge week, but a good week because in terms of market action, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, terrible, some terrible things in terms of the humanitarian crisis and the volatility, etc. But um, the market actually is up about 1.4% over the past five days, even though today was a down day. Yeah. So it looks as if we'll close down by about six tenths of a percent. Of course, the last of the day's trades are still going through the ASX. I don't want to you know, take anything away from that. But the CBO Australia Index has closed down by about that much. What I thought was really interesting this week, Juliet, was the sort of whipsaw conversation around the Fed and mm. Fed rate expectations. So began this week with a lot of Fed speakers kind of sounding like maybe, um, you know, the bond yield uh, parabolic rise of last week was doing the heavy lifting for them, maybe take their foot off the pedal. We always knew that the inflation read was going yes. to be a big one, but... It was you know. hotter, hotter than expected and a lot of that driven by rents, which, you know, is really fueling a lot of the, the pain for, we know, Americans, for Australians as well. And then when you tip in the fuel prices and the further volatility mm-hmm. that we are expecting, I think a lot more people now are saying, look, maybe the Fed isn't done. Maybe there's one more hike. Mm-hmm. Some people saying potentially even two. But as Clifford Bennett from ACY Securities was just telling me, we just have to focus on that long part of higher for longer. You know, we really have yeah. to look at the fact that these, what he calls normalized rates, because we did have free money for so long, are here for a longer time. That's right, because whereas we may get one, we may get two more rate hikes here in Mm. Australia. I mean, I haven't spoken to anybody who's thinking that rates are going to be cut Mm. anytime soon when you see the stickiness of inflation, which we do have a week, uh, month, uh, quarterly inflation rate, excuse me, coming next week. So I'm no doubt we'll be talking with our guest host about that one, what's to come in a big week. But yeah, for today, it was a bit of a Friday fizzle. Um, Mm. Let's not, you know, sugarcoat that. Uh, And of course, the conversation around the Fed and inflation, but also China. China. Yeah. So China. And I think um, Nathan was making a good point there that you have these multi-year highs in terms of inflation for the US and multi-year lows for China, which is very much still in this disinflationary environment. And we actually saw a negative increase in terms of that CPI on the year. And then when it comes to business inflation or that PPI factory gate, it's still very disinflationary, negative 2.4%. And recall, we started this week talking about the potential for potentially more you know, significant stimulus coming in China. Mm. Well, we haven't heard that yet, have we? So mm. maybe it's something that we'll be discussing next week as well. Um, so today, I think that the market action was pretty reflective of the narratives that we've just been delving into. You know, we had some of those interest rate sensitive areas of the market really getting hit hard, and that included 
the REITs. And so that was, I believe, the worst performing sector. Nine, I think, out of the 11 sectors mm. were negative. Um, you know, and tech as well. Tech was one of those sectors that got yeah. hit. We saw the NASDAQ down the most in New York. Tech down about 2%. So certainly following on. Yeah, as you say, REITs, yeah pretty similar there. So yeah, what we're seeing there is those tech players. Uh, Block, the the Australian listed shares of Block down by 1.7%. Wise Tech Global off by 1.3%. But when you look at the actual sectors, yeah, we've only got two in the -hmm. the green today. And that is, uh, one of them is healthcare. A little bit, I could say, of a defensive play. Um, Interesting to note that we saw CSL coming back to life a little bit today, but um, we'll talk about it in the corporate stories. ResMed still getting battered Mm. and bruised. And uh, yeah, again, the conversation, like I can't tell you how many times I've been speaking with people. Heath Moss from HLM Investments was one today saying, like, it's a huge buying opportunity. Mm. Um, And he reckons that CSL yesterday was a really big buying opportunity as well. So it's just really interesting, the dynamic. And we're also a little bit in a vacuum when it comes to corporate stories. Like, I'm not going to... You know, we're sort of after reporting season. Yeah, it was a bit hard to scratch around for some of them today, I have to say. Pact Group was one. I mean, it has said that the um, offer to take it private does not value the company and that it's not going to be acceptable as it stands. Yeah, and we were talking about um, ResMed, of course, near that 52-week low. What was the story with Perpetual? Well, it uh, updated on funds, and it's actually seen some funds inflows. So that's good. I mean, I've said it too many times probably for regular viewers, but... Everyone I speak to, you know, if you're looking to invest in a fund manager, Mm. follow the flows. When the flows are going in, that's good. When they're out, that's bad. Magellan, looking at you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bega had a broker upgrade. ResMed, you know, broker um, from RBC Capital, again, weighing in negatively on the stock. And you can see what happened. And then I think CSL, yeah, just worthwhile sort of pointing out that I did did have fun telling all our, um, well, I guess you're not uh, an Australian born and bred either, the Bega cheese ad that I used to love. What is that? You didn't know that one? So no. there, there's, you know all these towns in Australia, yeah. so like Collector, Robe, all of that. There was this fabulous ad that used to say, Collector isn't famous for collectors, Robe isn't famous for robes, <laughs> and then it was bigger, it's famous for bigger cheese. And um, nobody knew it in the newsroom except me. I felt very old. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, it skews young in the newsroom <laughs> regardless. Um Anyhow, the stock of the day <laughs> was self-wealth. This one flew under the radar a little bit. Uh, the shares were up, sorry, I should have checked most recently. Last I checked about 20% because there was a media report that Stake had made an offer for the company. Well, in fact, it did. Self-wealth came out today, said yes, Stake had made an offer, but that they did not see it as being in the best interest of shareholders. So it was a stock of the day. Mm. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. negative on that though and, and i think i view it a lot like the insurers where you get a short-term boost from from interest rates rising and, and being able to, to sort of skim that difference um but over time the competitive nature of this industry eventually kicks in and as an example i mean i i am on an email list for interactive brokers which is a us-based brokerage firm um and they're advertising five percent on their on on clients cash balances so they're passing on the full sort of interest rate differential and i'd expect you know local players to over time do the same as they look to sort of grab whatever market shares left and, and consolidate the space. So I don't think that's a great moat. I think the, the the rest of the business isn't doing too well. How do you reconcile that with a takeover bid and is it worth more and how will this play out? It's actually really hard for me to say. Um, you know, usually with stuff like this, I take a little bit off the table. You know, you, you've had a, a takeover bid come in, admittedly knock back. Um, the share price has bounced though. So you can sort of take some off, lock some in. 
and maybe continue to hold and, and hope that State comes back or someone else. I mean, this is a space where there's quite a few players. I mean, Comsec by far is the, uh, you know, the, the big gorilla in the in the jungle. So I don't see them necessarily selling out, even though that, in my personal opinion, it's not a stock I'm long because I don't think it's the best quality business. It's very hard to make a sustainable profit uh, and grow because it costs a lot of money to acquire customers. But uh, that's my take on Salesforce. So just to add a little bit of color, both said, you know, if you're a holder, you should trim some profits on a day like today, you know, because mm. we've seen such a share price rise. But yeah, talking about further consolidation in the sector, it kind of makes uh, you know sense. There's a lot of players out there. So mm. they've said that, yeah, there might be another bite at the cherry, if not from steak, but from yeah. even you know, Comsec, something. We'll see. All um, right. Shane Oliver joins us. Yeah. Welcome. Hi. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Cheers to you. You too. Yeah. So we were just saying our newsroom is skewing young these days, making us feel like we've got a bit of history behind us. Yes. History would tell us what when it comes to the Fed's reaction to the inflationary pulse still. Uh, I think the history tells us that it's time for them to, to sit pat. Okay. Um, I mean, this is very different to 18 months ago when inflation was surprising on the upside consistently and monetary policy was easy. Now you've got uh, inflation sometimes surprises on the downside, sometimes on the upside, but the broad trend is down. But more importantly, monetary policy is now very tight. It's, it's a radically different environment to the one we had uh, a year ago or 18 months ago. Um, and so I think that calls for patience. Uh, by the Fed. And it's, just, and it's exactly the same story in Australia. I know there's a lot of worry about the war in Israel and the potential impact on petrol prices, but again, radically different to the situation uh, when Ukraine was invaded and petrol prices went sky high. It's totally different situation. And I think when you look at uh, those inflation numbers, they weren't that bad. The bulk of the surprise was fuel. Uh, we knew that one. And of course, uh, shelter. And all the evidence in the US points to falling rents going forward, or at least a, a big slowdown in rental inflation. So I don't think we should we should get too concerned about that one. And I don't think the Fed will either. I think the more likely scenario is the Fed will start will continue to sound hawkish. I don't think they'll raise rates in November, but they will they will maintain the message about being high for longer, uh, for the time being at least. And then as we go through next year eventually they'll change their tune and then have to cut by more, but we're not at that point yet. Shane, how did you read uh, the data coming through from China? Because still deflationary pressures there at the same time you're seeing hotter than expected inflation from the US. So still this, you know, I guess, divergence <laughs> from the, the two big superpowers. It certainly is, and it uh, confuses people a little bit, but uh, I, I think China is suffering from excess capacity, excess savings. They need to spend more. They're not doing that. They're reluctant to do that because the levers they used to pull don't seem to be working anymore or not working as well. Um, and so that presents them with a problem. But I, I think China's situation is radically different. But quite clearly here, there is room for more spending in China and more stimulus. And I think that's ultimately what we will see. Uh, when you look at those inflation numbers, you know, CPI at zero was less than expected. Producer price is still falling, albeit a little bit less than expected. Um, but nevertheless, that, that is an environment where you can still afford to pump more stimulus in. There was some news on that front earlier in the week. 
I think Bloomberg reported that uh, um, people familiar with the matter, the, the, <laughs> the old people familiar with the matter, um, uh, uh, were indicating that there'd be some sort of consideration of, of uh, borrowing $1 trillion to put into an infrastructure, which is a massive amount of money. Their, their economy is $17, $18 trillion, so it's a big chunk of their economy. So I think that was way over the top. But it's the sort of thing you'd expect to see some sort of stimulus coming through. But here we are at the end of the week and we still haven't seen any anything concrete announced. Okay, can we get to equities? Um, well, yeah, today we've seen the sell-off. We've just talked about why. But overall, up by about 1.4% for the four trading days, or for the five trading days. And it was a six-session you know, six stretch of good gains. Um, so what have we bottomed? What do you make of where we're at in markets? <laughs> Well, it's an interesting question. I, I, I posed that question in my weekly this week. Have we bottomed? Um, and I must admit, I'm a little bit confused about it. it. It seems to me there were there were conditions in place for a good bottom last week. The U.S. share market had fallen down to its 200-day moving average. Markets were oversold both here and in the U.S. It was the sort of area where you can get a bit of a bounce. We got that bounce Friday night with those that mixed uh, job those mixed jobs numbers in the U.S., which I think just confused everybody. Um, we got lots of bad news this week, obviously uh, on the on the uh, Israeli situation, and of course uh, market rallied. So that's that's a positive sign. Only thing is that, and and of course it was supported by the Fed uh, commentary, which was saying that they would take account of the tightening of monetary policy flowing from higher interest rates or higher bond yields. So all well and good. The only problem is that there's still a bunch of risks out there. It could have just been a, a, a dead cat bounce from an oversold level. Uh, the breadth of the rally that we've seen so far has been fairly narrow. Uh, you've still got those issues regarding Israel to work through. You know, a big issue there is whether Iran gets bought into the crisis and then it would affect oil supplies potentially. Uh, bond yields are still too high relative to earnings yields. So either bond yields needs to come down or earnings yields need to go up, which means Price to earnings multiples fall. Uh, there's still uncertainties about uh, monetary policy and so on. So it's still it's still a bit messy. But I am conscious if if, if I look at our inflation indicator, which uh, uh, you may have seen in our weekly report, it's still pointing down. Same story for Australia. It it actually improved last week because of the NAB survey showing lower uh, cost and price pressures. Um, so that I think is the key in all of this. If that if that continues to improve, that will take pressure off central banks, including the Fed and the RBA, ultimately enabling better conditions as we go through next year and any recession that flows from all of this to be relatively mild. Shane, just uh, but obviously, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say just a quick one on, on the dollar because it did get hammered on the CPI data. It's come back a little, but the consensus calls out there are so different as to whether or not it falls through 60 cents, whether there's going to be a bounce and some resistance there. Or Peter Dragovich from Copa was saying to me, look, fair value is 67 cents. No, that's too low. <laughs> <laughs> like, fair value is always in the eye of the economist looking at it, and, and it does vary around a little bit. But I reckon fair value on a on a simple purchasing power parity basis, the relative prices is around 73.74. Uh, commodity prices can move you around that level, but I think we're well below what I would consider to be fair value. And, and, and that's even when you allow for the fact that um, you know, commodity prices may seem so-so. They're still relatively high in a big picture sense, and the terms of trade is very, very strong. That 
would suggest the Aussie dollar should be higher. Now, working in the opposite direction are two things. Obviously, the interest differential is pulling it down. Uh, that won't last forever. I think the Fed sooner or later will have to sound more dovish, uh, maybe not this year, but as we go through next year. The other fact of pulling it down is uncertainty about the Chinese economy. But if you get stimulus coming through out of China and more confidence about China, that could push the Aussie dollar higher. So my view is very short term, bit unclear, very messy, but I would use any further weakness from here as a buying opportunity because I think as we go through next year, um, as global, as we start to look beyond this sort of growth downturn or slowdown that we're seeing, uh, commodity prices are probably going to stay, stay high. We've still got massive underinvestment in mining, uh, particularly mineral, uh, sorry, metals, um, more defence spending. All of those things are positive for commodities, which are therefore positive for the Aussie dollar. Shane, can I just sneak another one in? And I know it's a Friday and everybody's ready to go home. Um, but we've obviously <laughs> got, you know, inflation here locally next week, but it's uh, earnings season, you know, big time in the United States. So what are you going to be looking for in the commentary primarily when it comes to some of these big corporates? Well, I think like we were in Australia just a month or two ago in August, uh, you know, how, how they're seeing the outlook, how their margins are going to hold up, what cost pressures are doing. Um, you know, what, what they're seeing with demand. Like, I actually think this profit reporting, I mean, this is an argument to be a little bit positive, if you want to put it in that camp, um, that so far when we've gone through the profit reporting seasons, analysts have proven to be too neg negative and then we get this upside surprise by more than normal. Now, the, the US companies always, on average, surprise on the upside. Um, you always get a bit of that, but they've been surprising by a little bit more than normal in recent times. And I think you probably see that this time around as well. We have seen the US economy hold up uh, a lot better than expected, uh, and that will help profits, I think, in the US. So if, if you're looking for something that might support markets, then it could be the profit reporting season. But yeah, you want to see corporate commentary remaining reasonably yeah. upbeat, but but not negative. You don't want to hear companies saying, well, things are collapsing. That would be a major problem. And I, I probably don't think we're going to hear that. I think the companies will will be a little bit subdued, but probably a bit more upbeat than many investors are. And Shane, just finally, you've moved down the bookshelf again. What is Shane Oliver's book club pick for the weekend? Well, at the moment, I, I finished that uh, fantasy novel I had uh, last week. Yeah, I have moved down the, down the shelf. Uh, I, think, I think I've got the bag of Atgittis sitting you've there. You've got the well, Dalai Lama, which we all the... sort of need a bit yeah. of at the moment. Yeah, we do need a bit of that uh, at the moment. Uh, oddly enough, I'm reading this book uh, called Just One Thing, this uh, health guy, Michael, uh, his name now. And uh, he's got all these interesting tips in terms of things you should do to maintain your health. So I practice standing on one foot uh, while doing my teeth every night and making sure I have an apple a day, try to do 40 push-ups every morning and uh, three to five minutes of sit-ups. And I'm told that those things will, uh, <laughs> will maybe help me make it to 100. That's why you look so like good. That. Shane Oliver, AMP, you yeah. legend. Indeed. Have a good weekend. We'll see you soon. Okay. You too. Take care. I think we need to take One some down. advice. I know. I was like, I just did a, just I just did a push that push up. Yeah. I did a, what, is it, what do you call this? A bicep <laughs> lift.
<laughs> Sounds like you do them a lot. Okay, <laughs> uh, let's get to leaders and laggards just quickly. Um, yeah, we talked about this a bit. Brain chip, you never really know why. One day mm. it's up, one day it's down. Perpetual Biga, that was a broker okay. move as well. Yeah. And uh, there was a bit of love for some of those in the lithium space today. But the laggards, uh, yeah, there's core lithium. I didn't see any news no. particularly. But Chalice Mining again, it's there mm. one day, it's there our next. And Sayona Mining down 4.7%. Let's have a look at some of the small cap leaders and laggards as well. Strickland Metals up 14.5%, 40S Memory up by almost 8%. And the laggards... Gavy Jennings did a cap raise this week, very heavily discounted. Um, I would love to impress you with my memory on these other ones, but I can't say I. <laughs> Demix I, resources I we yeah. covered earlier. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So it did have some news out today. And let's get to what we're expecting, you know, not tonight, but the week ahead, mm. because we've got some ch- punchy things here. We've got the September jobs data. Um, that comes this week, I think inflation week after next, China, you know, and then a whole host of of data points in the US, which we've got a data dependent Fed Mm. once again. Indeed. All right. And of course, uh, that is what we're looking out for next week. Let's have a quick look at the market now that it has actually Mm -hmm. closed uh, down for the day. But as we mentioned, a six session rally, the SIBO 200 down seven tenths of 1% on the close when it comes to the ASX 200. As we mentioned, nine of the 11 sectors lower and it is down about half of 1%. So dropped 40 points on the close, 7,051. Over the last five days though, it's up 1.4%. And as we say, pretty much every single week, unchanged year to date. Yes, and I will note that, you know, E-minis in the States are mildly positive right now, so we'll see what's to come. We'll be keeping a close eye, obviously, on what's happening in the Middle East with Israel and the mm. last conflict, obviously very, um, very sad times there, but obviously gold, oil will remain a, a focal point, you know, as we look forward to seeing you once again on Monday morning. We hope everybody has a happy and a healthy weekend. Yes, we'll, we'll see, see you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.